Welcome to the Lead with Empathy podcast. I am your host, Holly Logan, and here we are going to have meaningful and hopefully some fun conversations about motherhood, parenthood, illness, disease, physical and mental wellness, nutrition, and beyond. And as the title implies, we lead here with empathy. With that said, let's dive into the episode. Welcome back to Lead with Empathy. Today, I bring you a really important interview with Ellie Johnson, the owner of Sophisticated Grace Studio, a web designer and social media marketing studio. She lives in Florida with her husband, stepson, and Colton Doodle. But I want to let you know a little warning. This is going to be a heavy topic today for anyone who has experienced loss, is pregnant, or wanting to become pregnant, or in general. But these stories are important to share and to hear. Ellie shared with me via social media that in 2021, she was pregnant and unfortunately her child was diagnosed in utero with something called anencephaly, which is a defect where unfortunately the baby's brain and skull do not form properly and therefore are born stillborn or only live for a few hours or a few days. Her business after her loss, though, became her creative outlet and she dives into that. I want you to know that this is probably not my most in-depth interview from my side, meaning I didn't ask her a ton of questions. I really wanted just for her to share her story because we don't talk about these topics enough and women don't often have the opportunity, I feel, to share their stories and help with the grieving process and maybe connect with other women. This was just something I really wanted to bring to the audience because immediately when she reached out to me, I just felt something that she needed the opportunity. I'm so, so thankful and blessed that she asked me to have the opportunity as her first time and doing an interview. Um, she shares with us her story of loss and it's incredibly brave of her. And I do get emotional as you probably will as well. So I just wanted to give everyone a warning that this is going to be a hard but important topic because another thing we do talk about briefly is maybe things not to say or to say when someone has experienced loss. And that's something I commonly see in social media is like, how do I help someone, you know, when they're going through these difficult times? What can I say? What do I not say? And I know, for example, I've said things maybe that I, I shouldn't have said it that way and always just taking a breath and again, maybe leading with empathy of that's not what someone needs to hear right now. And so anyway, I don't want to give too much. I just really excited to have Ellie on. Maybe she will come back. She talks about her infertility journey as well, and maybe that will be something she'll come back to in the future. Welcome, Ellie, to the Lead with Empathy podcast. Your story immediately pulled me in because miscarriage, loss, grief, women's mental health are all heavy and important topics, and your story is special. I want to give you the opportunity to share your story and your words about your daughter and then how your studio became what it is today. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. It is definitely a heavy and important topic. Pregnancy loss, especially late term pregnancy loss, is something that's not talked about enough. I was about 22 weeks pregnant with my daughter when we were finally able to make it to maternal fetal medicine specialist ultrasound appointment, which is not because they had tried to schedule me before then, but then there was a hurricane and so they closed the office down because living in Florida and you're subject to weather. Of course. <laughs> Not everything. So it was 22 weeks when we finally got in to see the maternal fetal medicine specialist. And it was, I'll, I'll never forget the way that the doctor came in and basically just dropped a bomb. Like that's honestly how it felt. He, he came in after you know, the tech was doing the ultrasound. He basically came in, didn't didn't really say hello, wasn't very friendly against bedside manner. It's just something that's different for each physician and each nurse in general. But he just came in and he was like, well, uh, there's nothing that you could have done to prevent it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. 
your your child has a condition called anencephaly. He went into a very, very brief overview of what it is, you know, which is when like the the spinal cord and the the brain don't fuse together properly in the development stage. And he basically was just like, well, she's either gonna die in utero or she'll live maybe a couple hours if you make it to full term. Then then he left. He was just just dropping a bomb on on me and my husband and my stepson, because he was able to be present for that ultrasound. That was the only ultrasound that he'd been to during the pregnancy and just dropped the bone left. So the maternal fetal medicine specialist clinic called me the next day and asked if, you know, I wanted to meet the other doctor at the practice to go over the condition more in depth. And that doctor, it was like a night and day difference. He was so kind and he really took the time to answer any questions that I had about the condition, about what they think causes it, which there's no known cause in encephaly. Leading research is it's like they think it has something to do with folic acid deficiency or malabsorption, but there's no real definite cause of it. It's just the odds are just not in your favor, you know? And so then I came home from that appointment. I talked to my husband and I'm like, I cannot wait for my baby to die inside my body. I, I can't go through that. I'm not strong enough to go through that. I need to talk to the OBGYN and see if I can be induced. I will not survive waiting and the uncertainty. So it was that Friday. We found out on Monday I had the follow-up appointment on Tuesday. I had the appointment with an OBGYN on Wednesday. And I want to say it was at four o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And I was finally admitted into the labor and delivery ward because I had to wait for a bed to open. And I remember it took them three nurses and four sticks to get the IBN. Because I was only 23 weeks along, I didn't have the, the hormone that produces the, the contractions or whatever, oxytocin, I think is what it is. So they had to give me Cytotec every four hours. And it was basically just a waiting game. And it was 54 hours before my cervix was finally dilated enough. And my daughter, she she was born alive. She, she cried when she was born. She, she lived for an hour and 45 minutes. So she lived longer than that first doctor said she would live. And I I remember when we first got to the hospital, I told the nurses, I'm like, I I don't, I don't want to see her when, when she's here. I don't want to hold her. I'm not strong enough to do that. I I can't, I can't do it. But then when she was here, I think God gave me the strength that I needed. Because if I had not have held her in my arms, if I had not have gotten that chance to tell her, about all of her family members. If I not had the chance to let her face time, you know, with family members, I would have regretted that for the rest of my life. And I think God knew that. He, he, and there were so many signs. Like, I think there are some people who them as gone weeks. The nurse that was there when I delivered, her name was Emily, which is my grandmother that was a nurse who died about a year before. That was her name. So that was one of the gone weeks. And then the, the chaplain, at the church at the time was from East Hill Church. And East Hill was the neighborhood that my grandmother lived in, in Pensacola, Florida. So there was just so many different signs from God and supporting me during this moment. You know, I mean, the, the first first six months are definitely the hardest because my original due date was November 11th, which is the Marine Corps birthday, which is significant because my husband served nine years active duty in the Marines. 
I remember he was so excited about that. And we found out that I was pregnant and we found out the due date. So he was like, oh, they're definitely going to go to the Marines. Like it's destiny. And then, so, you know, I had what would have been the due date. And then I had what would have been her first Thanksgiving, her first Christmas, all within the first six months. And the first six months, I couldn't even walk down the baby aisle at Walmart without just getting emotional or like having to like look down, like avert my eyes. But I think leaning on my faith and going to therapy once a week and finding a community of women that have experienced pregnancy loss as well, being able to lean on them helped tremendously. And then also my web design business became my creative outlet. Before for Caroline, I had always freelanced in some capacity, either in the web design or graphic design and about a month before we got the diagnosis, I formed the company, my previous company, Sophisticated Southern Grace, because I wanted it to be a business that I could have the flexibility and the freedom to be with my daughter. And then it just ended up becoming such a creative outlet for me. And now I am, I'm, I've rebranded and I'm at Sophisticated Grace Studio. But the, the Grace, that's her middle name. Her name is Caroline Grace. And I say is, not was, because she will always be my daughter. She'll always be part of it. Well, thank you, because you're incredibly strong for being able to share your story. We talked before we started recording, and I just want to say that, like, the goal of this podcast is always to leave women with hope and with tips and tools. But I also feel like having these conversations, it's hard. It is very hard, but it's meaningful. And I just want you to hear again that you're incredibly brave. I know this is hard. Outside of your studio, you said, you did mention this, that you had a group of women around you who had experienced loss, but what was your first outlet for healing? You mentioned your therapy, you mentioned your faith. Can you just speak more to that and how that has helped you to navigate? Because I'm just openly saying I'm not a person of faith necessarily, but I do listen to a lot of people who are people of faith. So what, what, inspires me, I think, is that strength sometimes in listening to the universe around us. And it, I, I wrote down as you were talking, um, because you mentioned like the name of your grandmother was Emily and the nurse was Emily and the being the same street that she was on. And it just, it, it all, I try to listen to the universe when it's talking to me. So I feel like the universe, whether you believe, you know, who, whoever you believe, and God was speaking to you. I just think that's so beautiful. But can you talk about that a little bit of what your first kind of steps for healing were? Yeah, sure. So I've always struggled with mental health. I have, I've had depression and anxiety for as long as I can remember. So I knew that it was important to me to find something to do to help move past this because I could not let it consume me. I could not let my grief consume me. That's not fair to the memory of Caroline. It's not fair to my husband, to my stepson, to anybody. It's not fair to me. So I knew that I needed to find a way to, to grieve. So I think the first thing that I did before I was even induced is I, I got on my local neighborhood Facebook, like mom Facebook group. And I asked if there were any child loss or pregnancy loss support groups in my area. And, uh, there were not at the time, but now there actually is a pregnancy loss support group that meets once a month in my area. So, and then I connected with somebody that went, attended a church in my area. And she said that several of the ladies there um, have experienced pregnancy losses of, of some sort, either, either late term or miscarriages or 
you know, it was actually their quarterly ladies night the the week after I had gotten out of the hospital after delivering Caroline. And um, I I went and I think that really helped just going through the normal motions, you know, not letting my grief consume me. And then I, I found a therapist and I think just doing the things that you have to do to get through it. I mean, you'll, you'll never get over mm-hmm. the grief, but you can get through it and you can reach some sort of peace. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it, because I think the other thing I want to add, when you said November 11th, you may have seen me tear up more only because November 11th is an important day to me as well. So it's just weird because it was the day before my grandfather passed away. And it was he was the most important man and in my life really uh, passed away on November 12th. But I remember I got a phone call about uh, him on the 11th. It was Veterans Day. So that's why I got emotional. And I think there's a, this is completely different because I understand it's not a, a loss of a child, but I was very close with this person. And I think that was my first big loss in my life as well. I think there was a part of me that wondered if I would ever get over it. And I did never get over the, the loss of him. And I still haven't, but it's kind of accepting more the loss and having the memories. You're right. You don't necessarily get over it. I love that you say, you know, she is Caroline Grace because she is still here with you and you'll never forget her memory. I just want to correct myself. My husband's going to be like, how can you not know this? You've been married to me for how long? November 11th is, is Veterans Day. November 10th is the rank for birthday. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But, but still, it was, it was significant. And he, 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 I remember he would joke and he'd be like, I'm going to scare you into labor. Well, November oh. 10th, but they're born on the Marine Corps birthday. So oh, okay. I want to correct that. Before yeah, no, so this, And he's like, what do you, you got the date of the Marine Corps birthday wrong. <laughs> and, and, I love, and that's a memory. That's a laughter moment, right? Yeah. I feel like laughter is medicine. And how can you find in a story like this, how can you find laughter? But like your face changed, you know, when you told that story. And I just think that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it's taken it's taken time to get there. You know, I can I can look back on the, the pregnancy and, you know, not be just overwhelmed by my grief. You know, so it just takes time. And you, you, you never get over it. You just get through it and you, and you find some sort of peace. Yeah. And one question that I had for you, too, is, and it's interesting, you mentioned the Facebook groups because I've always said those groups are like wonderful. And then they're also a little scary because obviously you can have Facebook groups that don't really lead women in the right direction. And then on the other end, you know, this is the media that we use now. And this is how you were able to find your group of people. Right. But one question I see a lot, and I think I just saw it on social media was, how do I help someone who experienced loss? Like plain and simple, how would you answer that question? Because, you know, I share with the audience, my second nursing job was in women's health. And unfortunately, I was always on the messenger end of that when there was like a poor side to the story. And I have mothers um, and stories that I still remember. I still have visits and phone calls that are forever part of my heart. And all I could say is I'm sorry. And it's, can I help you in any way? But it was a little different because I was more on the, you know, the nurse side. But as a friend, as a family member, was there anything that someone could say, not say, do for you, not do for you when you think back? Yeah, so it, it is, it's such a taboo topic in general, you know, like people don't talk about it and people don't really comment on it either because it's not talked about, it's not discussed, it's not the norm, you know. 
So people don't really know what to say. And they, they they may think they're being helpful, but they're they're not. You know, but I I will say like when it, like the first year, I would be just like I could hear about other people's pregnancies and just be like it was, which I know is not really the t- the question that you asked, but I remember like my best friend growing up, she announced her pregnancy on Instagram. I think not too long after I had lost Caroline. And I remember bursting into tears, but smiling at the same time because I felt so, so happy for her, but also like so sad because of my loss. So I think maybe being sensitive to people that have experienced loss when you're announcing your own pregnancy would be something to consider. And then as far as like what to say and what not to say, please don't ever tell somebody that's experienced a loss that you'll have other kids. Uh, yes, I will. I will have more children, but I will not have other children. No, no child that I have in the future will replace Caroline. She will always be my first child. She will always be my daughter. You know, she may not be with me in my arms, but she is my daughter and she is a part of my life. So just the way that you, the way that you word things, just be mindful, you know, yes, I lost her, but she's not replaceable. And then Lately, my family members have started, you know, like commenting on like recent like family photos that we took at the beach. You know, they they, they mean well, you know, they don't mean anything by it. But they're like, oh, are these like announcement photos? And I'm like, no, no, I wish, I wish, but no. And they're just like, oh, look, you just looked like you were glowing. And I'm like, you know, so just, just be mindful not to comment on like people that are, you know, that you think might be pregnant, wait for them to announce it to you. Because my husband and I have been experiencing unexplained secondary infertility. Um, We've been actively trying to get pregnant for over a year and a half now. And we're not having very much luck. But we're going to keep trying. But it is something that, you know, especially trying to get pregnant after a loss, like those kind of comments are even more hard, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's why I wanted to ask someone like you, because I struggle with that, you know, as as someone I used to do triage and it's like, how do I help and support this person and know I'm going to help them? But or someone in my life, I've had people in my life, same thing. What do I say? It's hard. Uh, It's not harder for me. It's just sometimes as someone with three kids, like look at someone and say, like, I'm so sorry and for your loss and then have them be like, well, what would you know? You know, you don't you have three kids. it must be hard for like, I just have a lot of empathy again. It's just not, and I don't say that just because that's the name of the podcast, but I just have so much empathy because of what I did for work, but in the people in my life and just different stories, stories like yours yeah. that I'm trying to find the right words. And I don't know if there are right words, but that's a great place to start. Like you said. And I, and I think even people that have kids, they can still express, you know, empathy, like, like you just mentioned. And I don't, I don't speak for everybody that's experienced loss, but speaking for myself, you know, like I'm never going to begrudge somebody that has kids that's trying to be a comfort to me. Like I'm never going to see somebody that has kids and and be, you know, envious or whatever, because that's their family and my family's different, you know, and that's just, everybody has their own dynamics. And I have hope that one day I will be able to hold a living, breathing baby in my arms and be able to grow that connection, you know. And as a side note too, did you ever tell Emily, the nurse, 
Did you ever tell her that was your, you did? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And, and, um, and I, I'm pretty sure I, I told the chaplain too. Yeah. And and it, it's so funny because she had just gotten on shift, you know, at 7 a.m. And uh, so I'd only seen her, you know, she's only with me for about two and a half hours before Caroline made her entrance. And she was the sweetest nurse also of, of all the nurses that I had had over the 54 hours. And she was the one that was with me the, the, the least amount of time. And then it was so, so wild because it happened so quickly too. I guess the Sinotech had finally kicked in and I just was like, I have to, I have to push, I have to push. So she had run in and the doctor wasn't even in there yet. So she, the nurse, Emily, helped me deliver Caroline Grace into the world. And it just was so, such a perfect coincidence. And then Caroline Grace, we'd, we'd had that name picked out for years, honestly. Um, but we chose that name originally because my grandfather's name, he passed away last October. His name was Charles and Caroline is the feminine form of Charles. And then we chose Grace because my mother-in-law's initials are CG. So that kind of honored my family and his family. And it was, it was funny because my sister who had, who had flown in from California to be with me, during that time, we were in the bed scrolling through social media, you know, just late at night. So I couldn't sleep. So I, I crawled across from my bedroom to the guest bedroom and I, I got in bed with my sister. You know, she's my older sister. It was little sister sleepover. And remember, we looked up the meaning of the name Caroline and on like Google and little strength was one of the, the meanings that came up. And I was just like, that is such a perfect, perfect meaning for her because she was, she was little but strong because she, she proved the, the first doctor wrong. She lived next to, you know, 30 minutes and what he said she would. And she that just was perfect. And I mentioned that too, because I think that nurse, you, she, she hasn't forgotten you. I, I would guarantee that if she's living by chance, she found this, she, remembers you and she remembers Caroline just coming from the nurse's mindset here that's why I asked too because she'll she'll remember that the rest of her life too well thank you I agree with you that it's not discussed enough some of these really hard conversations and topics I don't know the answer to it either I'm not saying I I know this is what every woman needs I think you could probably say the same thing like you know what maybe you didn't even know what you needed and then over time you found this, I want to switch gears a little bit too, because you found your creative outlet, your studio, and it was a business. You said you rebranded, but it's been your creative outlet and helped you with, with grieving. So can we just talk, I want you to give an opportunity to, to talk about your business and what did you do before starting this company? But it sounds like you've already, you already had it and then you kind of pivoted a little bit. Yeah. So I had already been freelancing on the side for several years in web design. And I actually formed the, the first company a month before we got the diagnosis. So that company over the past couple of years has been my, my business and my creative outlet. Just this past, earlier this month, in September 4th, I want to say, I launched my rebrand. I'm not using it so much as a creative outlet or as a hobby, but actually a business mindset now. I feel like now that I've I've gotten to a really good place with my grace, I'm able to really channel it into an actual business mindset versus just a hobby or outlet. But I will say that she is present and and she was present in 
Sophisticated Southern Grace, and she is present even more now in Sophisticated Grace Studio. Not only is her name in the business, you know, but some of my branding elements are not just business related, but related to her. So I use um, the water lily and larkspur, also known as stilthinium, which are the July birth month flowers to honor her. And those are some branding elements that I use in my logo and throughout my social media and my, my website. And so not only do they honor her, but they're also the symbolism of them are like rebirth and vibrancy and new beginning. So which I thought was very fitting. And she's your little string. So yes, yeah. yes. And so um, I, it's just kind of came together so well when I was working on the rebrand. But I will say my business is mostly web design, but I also have social media management. Oh, awesome. I, I didn't realize that too. So you said that so this was your business and then you kind of, it was more just creative hobby and now you've pivoted and now it's your business. That's incredible. What advice would you give to someone who maybe is starting their own company or project or business? Do you uh, look at the website as number one? I know this is a big pivot, but I'm just curious because this is, you, you've said too, that you've now pivoted to like, this is my brand. This is my business. It's not just my hobby. So from that side of your business, do you look at the website as the number one thing? Or what do you think matters most when someone is just creating or starting your own business? So a lot of successful businesses have started out without a website at first. They just utilize a social media presence, um, which is kind of why I offer both services. A website definitely helps you be more professional and stand out more, but it's not required unless you're going to like sell a bunch of products. If you're a product-based business, you're going to want to have a website just to not rely on like Etsy for selling your products, having to pay them their fees and you know, possibly get shut down. But for any other business, you don't necessarily need to have a website when you first get started. It'll help. Yeah. But I think a lot of people think that they have to have a website. And so they just put one up and they don't really know what what they need to have on it. You know, when when you're first beginning a business, you can't always afford to hire a designer to do it for you. So I would just caution people that are starting a business to do it right the first time and maybe wait to hire a web designer to do it for you and utilize your social media presence and leverage that before you launch something that's not complete, you know? Well, that's a good laugh. So don't look at my website, okay? It just roll out. Um, but it's good to know, like, as, uh, like this is what you do for your business. So I was just curious if there's anyone out there listening that like also wants to start a business. So you you lead more on the social media side to it than the website. Again, if unless you're selling something and you really need that, that website side. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of service based businesses like like copywriters or photographers, they use their social media to display their portfolio. First of all, like they post their their photos on there and like the running the business, like selling the services, like invoicing, they can use a service like HoneyBook. So would a website be awesome to have? Yes, but it's not really mandatory when you first get started anyways. Yeah. So that's what you focus on with your clients, too. Um, great. Well, thank you again so much. I wanted your story to lead. So I didn't have a ton of questions for you, mainly because it was the forefront of you being able to tell your story and then people able to listen in and say, like, maybe have their own grieving moment. And also the piece about people understanding, please watch your your comments of how you question someone about their family because you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I think you're, again, incredibly strong for sharing your story. Is there anything else that you want to add or say or end with 
for the audience today. And then also, if someone is interested in finding you, could you just give your information on like your social media page and things like that? Yes. Um, first, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on and letting me share my story. I hope that even if it just reaches one person and one person listens and feels a connection because they've been through something similar or maybe they know somebody that's been through a situation with pregnancy loss that they feel that like that they're heard, that they don't have to be just a voiceless number of people that have experienced it. There is value in speaking about it. So I just feel like if I can just touch one person by sharing my story, then that's good enough for me. You know, that's all I want to do is be able to help help people that need to help. You'd be helped by it. You know, as far as reaching my business, you can go to my website, sophisticatedgracestudio.com, or you can find me on Instagram at sophisticatedgracestudio. I also have a Facebook page and a TikTok. They have the same handle, but Instagram's what I use the most. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I just want to say again, thank you. I just can't thank you enough. And thank you. So this is the first time you've shared your story kind of publicly, right? So I think you did a very wonderful, particular job. Thank you. Thank you for listening in today. And I hope you'll be back. Stay curious, stay humble, and always lead with empathy. Please also take a moment to share this episode with someone, this podcast, write a review or comment on my latest Instagram post at hollylogan underscore help. Thank you. Have an awesome day.